Good evening, everybody. Um, when mom, uh, called me and told me that she wanted to do a family conference, uh, we had had, uh, we've had words in the past saying we were going to teach on this subject, on, uh, husbands, wives, parenting. And then, uh, probably a couple weeks after, a couple weeks after she had, uh, uh, asked us to do that. Somebody gave a word to us without even knowing we were going to be doing this that we would start to teach married couples. We would start to teach about parenting and we would start to impart that. And, uh, so this is the beginning of, of doing that. This is a fulfillment of God's word to us that this is something that's going to start. So, uh, this is our first, first time doing something like this. So we appreciate all of you being here. Uh, Hopefully we receive something. And, and I want to just add, um, you may say, well, I'm not married. Okay. Uh, don't plan on getting married. My kids are grown. Like, there's, there's more than just natural princes, uh, principles that are going to be relayed. You can be a spiritual father and a spiritual mother to people. There are, there are fatherless and motherless spiritual orphans that, that need your guidance. Okay that need your input. They need father figures. There's a shortage of father figures. I mean, I, I relate to that. There's a shortage of mother figures. I'm sorry. I've got income. What are you? What are you? Okay. Alrighty. <laughs> so, uh, lesson 101, part of being a parent is being flexible. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta feed baby when you gotta feed baby, so. But, uh, but there's more than just, okay, how do I relate to my spouse? It's, how do I be a father to the next generation? Cause we're, uh, let me just exhort on this a little bit. We're living in a generation that's continuing to put the, op- push the envelope and, and tear down walls that God has built. Okay. And it's not anything new. You can study in history the cultures that have pursued the same practices that we've, we're currently pursuing. And what I mean by pursuing, let me just be real clear. There is a continual push and agenda that is eroding families. Everybody say families. They're eroding what it means to be a male and they're eroding what it means to be a female. And they are black and white obvious truths that you could ever hope to know. And if this generation is going to say, no, we reject that, you're going to tell me the sky isn't blue. You're going to tell me there isn't a sun in the sky. You're going to tell me that male and female don't exist anymore, that it's some kind of weird spectrum, and you can recreate it to be whatever you want it to be. Now, these are What we're doing is we're exalting insecurities and we're calling them strengths. What we're doing is we're not calling a spade a spade, and we're being bullied into not allowing ourselves to speak what truth is. So I'm, I'm just going to be real plain. We're going to speak what truth is tonight. We're going to reinforce genders. Amen. We're going to reinforce what it means and the strengths that are part of being a man of God. The strengths of what it means to be a woman of God. What it means to be a father and what it means to be a mother because you are needed. There's, <laughs> there's going to be a whole generation of kids that do not know what that means. And they should. And even though you say, well, I'm not a parent anymore and I'm not married, you're, you're called to be a father to the next generation. You're called to be a mother to the next generation. 
Because these things are being lost. And some of the basic things that we know as Christians, it's just black and white to me. Male, female. That's it. <laughs> we don't got to make this so complicated. All right? And, and uh, so, so we're going to be starting on this. And, and when my wife joins me, we're going to have a back and forth dialogue. My hope, my hope is that there is some level of participation. So if there's something, here's what I want to do, some rules of engagement. If there is something that when we start talking about it, there is something that you have that you know is from God and has to be contributed to this discussion, I want you to just wave your hand up and we'll see you. And, and I want you to share it, okay? Because there's going to be things I know that's going to hit home, that's going to resonate with you, and you're going to be able to fill out what we're talking about. Now, if there is anything that like rabbit trails, digresses, uh, questions, everybody say questions. I want questions or, or what ifs or how about this to be end, okay? So if you ask a question, everybody's going to look at you and point at you and laugh and it's just going to be, uh, <laughs> it's just going to, you don't want that. So, okay. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and get started here. And uh, let's go ahead and turn to, if you brought your Bible, does everybody bring their Bible? Okay. Let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians. Chapter 5. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, let's go ahead and read this. We'll start here in verse um, 21. Submit yourselves one to another. Everybody say one to another. another. In the fear of God. Okay. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord does the church." For we are all members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. Everybody say one flesh. flesh. Now that that is design. You're not going to buck design. Right? That is purpose. That is how it's supposed to be set up. Every single person in this room that's listening to my voice is a product of this design per forever until Jesus comes back. 
<laughs> Everybody with me? So th- this is what God has called us to do in a marriage to become one. Okay? Natalie, you want to come join me? <laughs> All right. All righty. So I want to go ahead. We're going to talk about some of the things that I, as a husband, what are what is my biblical role as a husband? Okay. So I wrote some things down from what I see in the Word, and uh, feel free if you guys if you guys can't see us. I know we're kind of sitting at your level. Feel free to shift, move, take a couple. Uh, you're not going to bother us at all. Okay. Okay, but here's some things that I wrote down about what I see as a as a husband, um, what I see in the Word of God that we are called to be as husbands. The first one, what we just read, is a leader. Guys, in a marital relationship, you are called to be leaders. Everybody say leaders. leaders. You're called to be a leader, okay? And, and you're not called to just be a leader in terms of I make all the decisions and it's my way or the highway. You are called to lead in a new, uh, a bunch of different areas. One of them, spiritually, okay? Spiritually, you're called to set the atmosphere in your home. You're called to set the tone in your house. So if I walk in your house, one of the qualifications for being a minister, Paul said, he says, if, if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he rule the church of God? Okay. Now I'm just going to tell you, if that were to be the litmus test for all pastors, if we were to be able to go in your house and see how you rule it, if Paul, if that was Paul's qualification for ordaining elders in a church, there's probably quite a few pastors that shouldn't be pastors. Right? Isn't it? What, why is there a running joke about pastors' kids always being the craziest? <laughs> it's, you know. Alright, so, so there's a, as a, as a guy, you're called to lead. And if there's one thing that I really wish I want to, I would just want to impart to every single guy. Um, and it took me some time to learn this. Because when you're first joining together, you don't really know, what can I tell her to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what is it that I can rearrange? Because you're still learning your roles and you're wanting to be respectful. But if I could just impart to you the kind of positive influence that you as a father, as a husband could have in your house, you're, you're going to be the problem solver. You know, that's what we do when we hear you, when we hear somebody complaining about something immediately, we're trying to solve it. We're not listening to you. <laughs> we want to fix it, right? That's what we guys do. Everybody, you chuckle and laugh. That's what, that's a strength. Everybody say strength. Okay. Now I know we need to listen as well. We're going to get there, <laughs> but, but, but if I could it just empower you guys to say, Take those strengths and create order. Create order in your home. Set the spiritual tone of your house. Make your house an environment of praise and worship. Make your house be proactive about the kind of spiritual tone you set in your house. Uh, and it took me a long time to realize, hey, look, what, and I felt that the Holy Spirit start prompting me on some things. Take some time with your kids and start reading the Bible every morning. Take some time with your kids and go over the scriptures with them. Spend time doing this and this. And, and there's some things that he's telling me even now that I wish I would have started sooner. But but uh, I know the Lord is currently prompting me in the evenings instead of watching the tube and watching TV all the time. What we're going to start doing is spending some time worshiping together. And these are the things that as a husband, you know, 
God is going to tap you on the shoulder and say there's some things out of order in your home and it's your job to rearrange it. And a good wife is also going to be providing that that voice to do that as well. Okay? So you're a leader. Amen? You're a leader in life choices. Okay? And that doesn't mean there isn't going to be disagreements. That doesn't mean there isn't going to be conversations. I don't just wake up and say, hey, honey, we're going to move to Tulsa. You're just going to have to deal with it. No, that was a running conversation. Okay, right. So those those things are back and forth discussions. Leadership isn't just totalitarian. It's it's more of a conversation back and forth. And if we do happen to disagree, if there if there's a problem where we're not having a, mm-hmm. a, a an agreement, well, we, I just have to say, look, I disagree with you, and uh, I'm going to have to veto that. Te- I'm going to have to veto that. So. Um, so you're called to be a leader. The, the, the next thing that I want to highlight as a husband is you're called to be a provider. Everybody with me? Okay. I Now, I'm going to say a couple things. We got really good friends. The guy's a stay-at-home dad. The mom goes to work. She's the primary. She makes all the money. That is fine. But he is still called to be the provider. Okay. If she were to lose her job, here's where I'm at spiritually. God would turn to him and say, what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? That agreement works because they're both on the same page and they both agreed to do that for this season. But as a man, you are called to be a provider. In other words, the buck stops here. If there is a problem, you're going to solve it. If there is lack of money, lack of food, you're going to take charge and find some answers. Okay? So... Now, I, I will put this caveat out there. I think that, and we're going to talk about this, I think that plays into some, I think it'll be a little bit harder because I do see and in Scripture and just in general, there's something about a woman that, and I'll let you talk about that, that has a greater um, nurturing capacity for raising ch- children on a regular basis. So why don't I just shift gears and let you talk about that because you got the more weight. The nurture side of things. Yeah. Well, um, in terms of that, yes, um, I can go ahead and say what I think part of the role of a woman and a wife. Um, It's funny how you have to kind of take a step back nowadays and look at it from the scripture's point of view. Because if I were to come out and just say what I believe about a woman's role, it's very offensive right now. It's very offensive. I'll <laughs> say, so, yeah, you're supposed to be submissive. That is a terrible word right now. <laughs> um, yeah, you're supposed to stay home, take care of your kiddos. But like, ah, don't you want a woman to have success, you know? But I want you to think about this for a moment. Just take a step back and think about what a home is for. Why did God even design a home? Why did he design Husbands, wives, and children as a unit. It was something to show the world, number one, the love of Christ to his church, which is to be the husband and the wife, and the love of the father to his children, which has an expression in both the father and the mother to their kids. And I believe that God intrinsically made men and women different 
so that they can accomplish this goal together. And there's something about a man that's intrinsically able to bear up under the pressures. Not that a woman can't do it. I've seen plenty of women do it. But there's a leadership role he's given the men and unique abilities he's given them to be purpose-driven in a way. And they, their goal in life is kind of like, what am I here to do? And am I doing it excellently? Am I going to be on top of this? Do I have what it takes to do this? But a woman's goal in life usually isn't purpose-driven so much as it's relationship-driven. It's, are all the relationships in my life okay? Are mm-hmm. my kids okay? Is my husband okay? You know, are my friends okay? You know? And I think the world has that, like it's somehow weaker or emotional, you know, and, and but it's such an incredible gift to a home to have somebody who is made to do that role, rising to it and doing it with excellence. Because you have the unique ability to create a space in your house that's safe. And it's nurturing and it's life giving. And then anybody who comes in can feel the love of God there. And they feel welcome and they feel encouraged and they feel empowered. And when I get kind of like upset with him because he's not going around the house and intrinsically knowing how is this supposed to work in here and make it look nice and make it, um, cozy and but you know full of the little touches that I think make a home right it's like his mind's not even there really it's kind of like is this all efficient is this working okay okay you know and it's like a blind spot a little bit where I'm like can't you see that this all has to be just right so everything can be perfect so we can be you know and it's something that is a motivation inside of a woman that I think God placed there and when it's operating the way it should it's this powerful, nurturing force, not just for your husband, not for your kids. It's for the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I talk about the role of a wife and a mom, it's I believe it's bigger than the idea that I got to stay at home, listen to whatever he tells me to do, never make any money, you know, never... You, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's kind of like... The world sees it as a step down. But I think when you look at it through God's eyes, there's nothing more important. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more important. Your kids are the most precious thing you will ever be entrusted with. The relationships in your life are the most important things you'll ever be entrusted with. And if you can rise to the challenge of making a place and it's not always easy when you're working, but I have seen women do that. I have seen them work and also create a home that's godly and raise their children. And I think it's harder. I mm-hmm. think it's harder. Yeah. But I do honor the women that do that successfully because mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. And But I was so glad that we were on the same page that we decided from the get-go that I would just be home. And... Um, I feel like it was very hard for me because my identity for a long time was wrapped around looking a little bit more successful in different ways. Like I, I wanted to have the job. I wanted to have a career. I wanted to have 
um, I, I wanted to be recognized and respected that way. But when God asked me to raise my children, I surrendered that, and I haven't regretted it for a minute because, like, I'm going to cry, and I probably always does. <laughs> um, when you're able to step back and realize what all this design is for, it makes it easier to block out what it looks like to other people and what the world defines as successful, independent, strong Mm -hmm. is different in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. The wisdom of men is foolishness to God and vice versa. And so in the long run, ladies, I would like you to take a step back whenever you consider what it is to be able to submit to your husband, let him make the decisions for the home, so you are freer to make decisions for your house. It's almost like big picture, small picture, in a way. I don't know, eventually it ends up being picture. Mm-hmm. But I rely on him to take care of providing, to take care of leading, to take care of listening to the Lord for our family's direction. Not that I can't hear the same thing and agree, which I do. But it also frees me to be able to focus on my kids, to be able to focus on creating a home that God can use mm-hmm. whenever he wants to, however he wants to. Yeah. And um, that's, yeah, that's the main thing I have to say about being a wife because I do believe it is scriptural. You know, he makes the decisions. And very early on in my marriage, there's one example I'd like to highlight just because I was still figuring this out and I did not like to be told what to do. I still don't like being told what to do. <laughs> um, but... I remember the first year of marriage, there was decisions that we had to make, and I was so much more my way or the highway about them. And I I think for a while it's okay because you're still learning to trust each other. I didn't mm-hmm. trust him to make all the decisions. I didn't trust him. I didn't have a track record. It was our first year of marriage. And so um, there was a, a trip me and my girlfriends had decided to make to New York, and we'd made this before we were even married. And he kept telling me, like weeks in advance and the weekend and days in advance. He's like, I don't think you should go. I don't think you should go. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, uh, And I kept telling him, well, I'm sorry. I've already planned this. You know, like, are you going to order me not to go? You know, is this what it's going to be like? You know? <laughs> and so, and he, I don't, he never wanted to use the trump card of the Lord. You know, he never wanted to be like, God says you can't go, you know, which was wisdom, you know, but, it, and, so I, I did go, and I was pregnant with Joshua, and um, I, it was the grace of God that I did not die on that trip, because on the way there, our car got totaled, um, I, we were in a wreck, um, it was like, when I say six inches off of probably all of us dying, um, crashing into the side of the road, and it was a really intense wake-up call for me, like... I, I believe the Lord extended grace that way because right when it happened, the Lord was like, he saw this and you didn't listen. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know, and thank God that wasn't the only lesson. <laughs> like it was already in heaven and I couldn't learn from that lesson. Um, so at that point. I've been holding it over head <laughs> you know, ever since. Ten years. Do you remember the crash? <laughs> no, but there's been very, honestly, there's been like decisions I can count on my hand that he has ever said, no, we need to do this. And I 
was like the opposite end of it. And I just decided to listen because I had learned to trust mm. and I had learned that he can hear the Lord just like I can. Yeah. Um, and so there's there, I know there's trust, but I do believe that as the wife, the buck stops with him. So he makes the decisions and, um, I trust him to make those decisions. And so I do believe, yes, the wife is submissive to the husband and also I believe that she does have the unique opportunity to create a home for her children. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So how do you, uh, how do you take Businesswoman. Yeah, the businesswoman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, no. I mean, I think that's part of being a wife. Like, I, and like I said, I think uh, it's multifaceted because oftentimes when people think of a stay-at-home mom, yes, it's a full-time job, but if you order your life correctly, there's room for so much more in your life <laughs> than just cooking and cleaning. Although with four kids, it seems to take up everything right now. But uh, yeah, no, I've seen that. I've I have felt the freedom to start businesses if I wanted to like Richard's mm. never told me I couldn't do that um, I think there's wisdom involved when you find it's detracting from maybe the the major part like if your home becomes unpeaceful and that's also something I was going to get to later when I find women nowadays are always talking about how they're so worn out how they're so stressed how they're so um, beat down by all of life's responsibilities and I always am like the first thing you do is take a step back and reevaluate how you've built your home life. Because if you've built your home life with never a rest, never nights with nothing happening, with just your family being together, if you've built such a life that you always have to take breaks from it to be okay, that's not okay. And so I think the Proverbs 31 woman, how she would go out and she would make good business decisions I think that's wonderful because it almost elevates the idea that women who stay at home and watch their kids don't have any business sense, that it's all emotional-led, it's not logical-led. You know what I'm saying? And I think I love that passage because it breaks that stereotype to me, and it, and it puts you on par with able to make decisions for your home that have to do with finances that have to do with um, business and being entrepreneurial and creative. And so, no, I don't see any problem with that. I've seen a lot of women handle work and raising a family fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I almost put that, I almost put that chapter in here. I was like, anyways, because I, I, I don't know what it looked like back then. I, I feel like they had a lot more work to do than we do nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, it, it's never a, a you know, marriage isn't supposed to be me versus you. It's supposed to be a team. It's supposed to be finding out how to work together as a team, how to become one. And so in, in, in delegation of duty and in, in separation of responsibilities, it's an ongoing conversation. Uh, it's it's continuing feedback. It's continuing discussion. Choices I make, uh, I don't make decisions just unilaterally. 
they're, they're continual discussions. And, and in the end, I, I would say 99% of the time we're in perfect agreement because what, you know, and I started out with that verse here in Ephesians 5 where it says submit to each other, right? So that's the first thing he says is submit one to the other. And that's part of marriage when you both come together, one becoming or two becoming one. There is a submitting to what are your needs? What do you need from me? And there's a submitting that she does. What do I, what, what do you need from me? And so, uh, learning how to become one is a continual process. But, but I think what I want to empower each one of you is that you have a, a specific role. And, and, uh, guys, you have a role. And what we see in the word, it's provider, it's leader. And it's, um, uh, the other thing I had written down here for guys is look, you're, you're a chief disciplinarian. You know, your kids are your kids are your responsibility, and it's your job to lay down the law if you need to. And and it's really important. That's going to be a subject more for tomorrow. But but you and your wife are going to be on the same page with those things. So I want to I want to transition here to some of the um, some of the chief pitfalls that we see in in the marriage arena. <laughs> okay, so things that can go wrong how things dead end, how things uh, spiral out of control, uh, and how to work through them, okay? So uh, Natalie kind of came up with these. I'm going to, why don't you go ahead and start those off there? <laughs> yes. Because uh, she she had a, a really good insight into some of these things that could cause potential issues. Right? <laughs> Girls are so <laughs> on top of this. Like, what is wrong with my relationship? Let me write it down. <laughs> no. We're great. Um, so, but these are things that I've noticed, obviously, in our marriage that are that can be much bigger issues if we allow them to be. But in our talking to a lot of couples, we see constant themes of these things. Um, and uh, I don't know if y'all want to write them down or just, you know, listen up. But there's three things that I wrote down. There's communication, clear responsibilities, and companionship. And... Um, we can start by talking about communication because I'm sure every person here will agree that that is the hardest thing to master in a marriage is healthy communication Amen. with each other. <laughs> and um, just guys and girls are so different in the way that we ask for things, the way we expect things. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to kind of talk about the guy's position versus the girl's position and how you're supposed to communicate um, do you want to go first on that or do you want me to go first on that? Well, uh, I guess some things that I've learned in terms of continuing to have healthy communication is to be proactive. Okay. From a guy's perspective, we're, we're just kind of, if it's, if it's still running, we don't need to fix anything. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so we need to be proactive. Guys all say proactive. <laughs> We got to be proactive about talking about things, okay? And so one of the things I've learned to do is to frequently check in and say, you know, how are we doing? And, and especially, you know, you you might know how are we doing, you know? Uh, but but check in if if um, some there your 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 family life and your home life is always changing. Responsibilities and duties are always changing, and so check in and and ask, you know. How's the workload? 
you know, just like you need, okay, you guys know you got to go in and change your oil after however many thousand miles, right? You got to change the brake pads. You, you can't just hope it's going to run forever, okay? And you have to do, you have to do routine maintenance with communication, okay? And I know we're going to get into this, uh, but I'll just, I'll just segue here. Uh, one of the C's, okay, the three C's, easy way to remember, communication, clear responsibilities, companionship. Companionship, one of the most important things for, for ladies is to have one-on-one time with you as a guy, okay? So if you are making a proactive, uh, if you're being proactive about spending time and going on dates and, and there's going to be open communication channels to listen, listen to what she needs, listen to what's going on, listen to what she's telling you. And one of the things I had to learn early on is you, that you listen. Um, how did I write that down? Don't listen to speak. Listen to hear. Okay. Everybody hear that? Don't listen to speak. Okay. It's, so don't, if you already, if you already have something you're ready to say, you've not, you're not listening anymore. And you guys know how to do that. I know how to do that. Okay. We're already adding to something and you're not hearing them anymore. Okay. Listen to hear what they're saying. Okay, take time to understand their perspective on things. Okay, so those are the things that I've learned that you just have to practice because guys aren't naturally always the most communicative. Okay, we can, I mean, guys communication, I can go like that. Hey, how's it going? And that's it. That's all we need, you know. We don't, we don't discuss our feelings. We don't, we, we don't really delve into everything we're thinking. Okay, that's not necessarily natural. But in order to be a good team player with your wife, you have to bridge the gap and you have to meet her halfway. Okay. So that's what I, that's what I got for communication. Mm. What you got for communication? Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So the very two minutes, I'm the, done. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> like the next hour here. No, um, the, okay. So what I was thinking about communication, the Lord was, Kind of bring me back to Matthew. And do you remember when the Pharisees came up to Jesus and said, Hey, Moses said we could get divorced. What do you think? And Jesus, I love how he didn't go into the nitty gritty of all the issues that would be a cause for divorce. And well, maybe for this, maybe for that. He said it was the hardness of your hearts. And that's why Moses had to give that available to you. I mean, he made it available but he said it was the hardness of your hearts. And that's a really interesting phrase, I think, because he didn't say because of your sin. He didn't say, you know, because of infidelity. He didn't say a lot of other things. He said hardness. And that's a picture of something that was soft becoming hard. And I think what happens most often in marriages is that over time, what was once something that was easy and flowing and soft with each other, you allow offense, failure, um, experiences to start layering something that's like a wall in between you. And it becomes this lens that you see the other person. And so when I'm talking to him about he didn't make spaghetti right, it's not just he didn't make spaghetti, right? It is 10 years. He's never bothered to learn how to make this. And why doesn't he love me enough to learn? And It goes way back. And so I think the Lord was kind of going to the heart of it 
that your communication with each other has to stay tender, has to stay soft and childlike. Mm. Kids get offended, and then the next minute, boom, they're done. They're happy again. Mm -hmm. They're good. And I think for me, one of the major things I've had to learn in this marriage is forgiving means letting go of the past, letting it go. And it's not creating this view of him. <laughs> it's not creating this view of him that's just riddled with failure, you know. <laughs> and um, bringing, it, bringing it up every time he does something wrong. And it's a real thing. Like, I know all you ladies understand because it's hard for you not to connect all of the issues into other issues. And I think the Lord is just having me keep my heart tender towards him. Don't allow emotional distance to build up or a lens that starts fogging up my view of him, mm-hmm. his intentions towards me, his heart towards me, um, and giving him the benefit of the doubt, which is sometimes hard to do. We, we, we think for some reason we always assume the worst, you know, like something he does, well, that hurt. So I think we kind of justify the hurt by thinking he meant to do that. And 99% of the time, he was just oblivious and he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> but it's almost like you, you want to take that intention and justify the hurt with it. And so for me, I think the very, very foundation of communication is stay tender, stay forgiving, stay soft. Don't let hardness take over your heart when you're dealing with the other person because every conversation is going to be digging up 10 years Hmm. and it's just, it goes nowhere. And, um, and this was long learned. It was long learned. I mean, it's something that I've had to continually put before the Lord. Um, and he has been so patient with that. And I remember having to tell him, you know, I'm sorry. I I know I'll, I'll get over this. I'll learn how to do this better, but this is why I'm so angry with you because you've been doing this since we've been married, you know, and, and it's him having to be patient until I can allow the Lord to remove that from my life. And, um, okay. So that was the very first thing. And the next thing that's so important, I think, is you have to create a safe place to discuss the issues. You have to create a safe place to discuss your issues. Usually in the heat of the moment, you're both worked up. You're both not hearing things right. Emotions are getting in the way. And so oftentimes we have to create a place that we can actually come together and talk about it. Date days are a terrible time to do it, but I understand if you have to do it because you're usually going to end up arguing on your date days. We used to have every Monday. Richard started to dread them because every Monday, I have this <laughs> list of grievances. I'm so ready to talk about this. And there goes our beautiful day together, you know, we're yeah. arguing about everything. And so. We're going to go have dinner, I guess. <laughs> Watch this movie. It was a romantic dinner and angry yeah. each other the whole time. Um, so, yeah, but don't shy away from it either. Just because you know you're going to be up for an argument, don't avoid it indefinitely. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard talking through things. You're going to have to be humble. You're going to have to let the other person tell you what's wrong with you. <laughs> and then, and that's part of marriage is that yeah. you're, you're both being a mirror for each other. Mm-hmm. And you're both 
being reflected in the other person and you're and you're getting to see things that maybe you were oblivious to and that helps you grow and how and then helps them grow but but as best as you can i i i am continually working because I, I think one of the issues that i uh and a lot of guys relate to is anger okay we get upset when we get upset we get upset and get out of our way you know Guys are like that. I, I, I can't, I can remember maybe two or three times where she was like angry, angry. Okay. But, but, uh, but one of the, one of the things that the Lord keeps showing me is that you're going to have to find a way. And, and I, I honestly can say, I feel like these last couple of years have been the best years for me personally is to find ways to disassociate your emotions from the conversation you're having about an issue. You can be very, practical and, and honestly uh, you're going to have greater effectiveness in problem solving you're going to have greater um, how, do, how do I say that you're going to seem that much more more reasonable and and much more more persuasive not that you're trying to win but look if you're if you're not yeah you are I it. But but you lost your case. You may be a hundred percent right. But if you're just like yeah. going off the handle, yeah. you can't. No one's looking for your heart. You yeah. know, it's like well, let's do this another time. And and that is a viable option. If you if if one of you recognizes this isn't going anywhere, it's everything you're hearing is getting twisted. Yeah. There have been times where I have said, look. This is not going anywhere. I'm not talking about this anymore. Not because I don't want to talk about it, but because this is just digressing and, and it's, and it's going to cause more problems. Let, let's cool down. Let's settle down. Let's talk about this when we're cool headed. Okay. Because, because when you have a controlled conversation, things can get accomplished. Things can, you can meet. And when you can explain your, per, position of why you thought and and there have been really really and and you must stay humble okay pride will kill this everybody with me pride will kill this because you're going to be in the middle of an argument and realize you misheard everything she just said and you're going to have to say that's on me i just i just twisted all that around i thought you were coming at me personally i misheard you i i realize i trust I trust that you didn't mean that, and and you're gonna have to stay humble, and that's part of that's part of marriage. It's not you know, you know, it's not inflate, sulk, and do cold shoulder until you win, right? Until make them come back to you. If they're if they're coming back to you and trying to help you, they're the bigger person. <laughs> you hear me? She thinks I'm always the one that does the cold shoulder. He's always the one that comes. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm being I completely. <laughs> no, but we both have had yeah. to do that. We both have had to do that. But here's what the dangerous part is of this whole thing: is when you're when I said create a safe place to discuss issues, he's talking about how the anger or the cold shoulder will manipulate the other person to where they can never come to you with a problem. Mm-hmm. And that is a killer for a marriage because just say he trains me never to go to him with a problem. The moment I go to a problem, blows up in anger, turns it back on me, gets angry. Okay, so I'm just never going to discuss problems with you. 
mm-hmm. and they just simmer and, and then just blow up at other times. Yeah. And he comes to me with a problem, and I get offended, and I give him the cold shoulder, and I keep him at arm's length for the rest of the day or however long I feel like doing that. Well, that trains him. Well, if I come to her with a problem, then I'm not going to get to be with my friend for a day mm-hmm. or the next day or however long she's going to be upset about this. And so you begin to train each other mm-hmm. to never come with issues, and the issues never get resolved, and they just grow. And that is so toxic. So, and, and obviously it doesn't happen overnight, but humility is the key. Yeah. That's always the key. I mean, part of the love chapter, I talked about this the other day at Lay's meeting, is one thing the Lord highlighted, it says, it's easily entreated. Mm-hmm. You are able to go up to somebody who's operating in love and say, look, you did this to hurt me or you did this and you were wrong or I can't stand that you're like this, you know, and that person, if you have the love of Christ inside of you, it's going to prompt you to be easily entreated. You can handle this. You can think about it. You can receive what they said and work it out. Yeah. And not immediately come back with, you know, you don't know what you're talking yeah. about and all that stuff. And so. And, and one of the things to transition here, one of the things to the communication has to be on. And, and I'm amazed at how many couples don't actually talk about this is making sure that you have clear responsibilities and roles and making sure that they're fair. OK, uh, otherwise, one person is going to burn out. And that isn't representing the love of Christ as, as a guy. If. If, and, and you're just going to have to talk about this because there's going to be some of you are going to have pretty easy cush jobs where you sit in an office all day and you maybe take a couple phone calls and you come home and your wife has been with the kids all day. There, and you, you just expect the wife to do all the cooking and cleaning and be with the kids all day. There's an imbalance in the workload and there's an imbalance in pulling together. Okay, So if you got a job like that, this is my recommendation. Guys, if you have a really easy bank job where all you do is take a couple phone calls, you know, maybe you've got the odd bad customer and your wife has, you know, you come home and she's, you know, you can just tell she's frazzled. She hasn't had a moment of comprehensive, cohesive adult conversation in the last eight hours. Come home and take over because you're fine. Okay. But not all jobs are like that. Not all situations are like that. Some guys work work their butts off eight hours a day, really, really heavy, labor-intensive jobs, and you're going to have to find a way to help each other. Okay. Um, so, so communicate. Find some way to weigh the responsibilities and make sure it's fair and agree upon it being fair. And once you agree upon it being fair, one of the first things we had to deal with was so I, she was doing all the cooking and the cleaning, and I would come home. Uh, and she's like, this is a lot to do for me. And she had to, she had to say, so this is a lot. I don't even remember. It's been so long now, but so I, I got to have help. So now I, I handle pretty much all the dishes. She does all the cooking. I do all the dishes. Okay. And we have that agreement. We, we, we don't deviate from it and, and we just stay flexible. We have to continue to communicate. Okay. So you have to have clear lines of responsibility and talk about it. Okay. Um, Flesh those things out, agree upon it. That way you're not continually expecting him to know what to do or you're not expecting her to know what to do and feeling like he's failing you when you haven't had a conversation. It's hard to sometimes ask for what you need. I don't know why. Maybe it's my personality, but I always felt like if I have to ask him for help, then that's weakness. 
Mm-hmm. I can just do it. I'm I'm a strong person. I can do this, you know. But I, I probably second kid, third kid. I don't know. I was I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and so I remember like breaking down, and we just had to learn how to do this. And I hate dishes with every part of my being, and I love cooking. And so loving cooking creates mountains of dishes. And so he doesn't mind dishes so much. And so I was like, can you just There's do... There's a very specific way they need to go in the dishwasher. Yeah. Okay. She doesn't know how to do he's that. built up strongholds. So I know, I know how to do the dishwasher very well. Yeah. I love it. It's like a puzzle every time. <laughs> so it's like, go for it. So... Yeah, anyway. he knows when I've loaded the dishwasher. He's like, what is this? It's chaos in um, here. But I think, but I also wanted him to have time with the kids too. And so one of the things he does is every night he puts all the kids to bed. He's in charge of the teeth brushing, the jammies, the bedtime routine, mm-hmm. getting them in bed, praying with them, making sure they're okay, and also dealing with them as they hop back up again. <laughs> yeah. And spanking them and sending them back to bed. <laughs> however many times it takes. Oh, yeah. Because at that point in the day, I'm done. I'm going to sit down and have myself some tea and he can do the kids at bed. Yeah. But also it's like he gets to have a moment with the kids. And you have to be careful not looking at your kids like a drudgery. Mm-hmm. Because it's also a joy for them to be able to like, Dad, are we going to pray tonight together? And, yeah. you know, so it's a special moment he gets to have with his kids. Mm-hmm. But it helps me because I've been taking care of them all day. Yeah. And so little things like that we've had to... And as more kids get piled on, <laughs> we have to just re-talk about what I can't do. And yeah. sometimes it's just seasons, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that it is really important for a woman to feel like you can actually go and not be, you know, the weak person by saying, I need you to do this. Yeah. On the other side, I don't think this really applies to anybody in here. But I just wanted to say this in case people are listening to this in the future, that social media has created a lazy toxic picture for a woman to feel like she is doing way too much. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to throw this out there. I never remember my mom with nine kids cooking, cleaning, teaching us the word, getting on, wanting to have social media, but somehow broadcasting her friends. I, I just need a glass of wine to unwind this day, you know, and or, you know, all this self-care or this this idea that I just see it's, it's all over social media. It's the picture of the, the woman frazzled, wine glasses in hand, awful, you know, feeling terrible, running out the house as soon as your, your husband gets home. Like, what you're doing is killing you, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, don't be lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be lazy. Don't be narcissistic. Don't be narcissistic. <laughs> we have it easier than any other people ever yeah. in the history of the world. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot to do. It's really hard. But I have the grace to do it. I have the God-given ability to do it. And I have the ability to choose joy in the middle of it. But I guarantee you, as soon as I sit, spend a couple hours on social media, scrolling... Seeing what somebody else's wife's husband does for her all the time, seeing what she gets to do, what she gets to buy, what she gets to go. I mean, it's a constant comparison game. And I'd like to think I'm above it, but I know it. I can feel it when the thoughts are getting in there. 
and it's discontentment and it's why am I doing this? I, I need to go get a massage so I can face the next day. Like, and there's nothing wrong with self-care. There's a healthy way to do it. But I'm saying to you, allow the Lord to define for you what are healthy boundaries for you to take breaks, what you need, what you don't need. But don't allow lazy, narcissistic American culture to get in and warp your view of what is your honor to do. Okay. Um, because it's, I, I, I'm bowed up to here with it because it's all <laughs> I hear from other young mothers is how they can't stand what they do and how they're just searching for ways to escape from it and, and complaining about their husbands not doing more and this and that. And mm-hmm. I just, I know there's a healthy way to communicate to your husband, but I also know that our culture has gotten lazy and narcissistic, and I want you to guard yourself against it. Choose joy in yeah. your life. Choose joy in what you're doing. My mom would tell me, and I could not understand what she meant by it until the last couple of years. She said, the joy is in the work. And I'm like, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> but she would tell me, and she was like, the joy is in the work. And I think it has something to do with having a heart like Christ's. Yeah. And knowing how he sees what you're doing. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put up with friends that rag on their spouses. I wouldn't do that. Um, I've watched. I've watched divorce. ladies yeah. divorce their husbands, and one of the primary causes was her circle of friends who just continually beat their husbands up. Trip, trip, trip. And and she would come home. She would fall back in love with them, and then she'd go spend time with her friends and just. And eventually she left him because of the continual mindset that was being propagated in those groups. So don't don't put up with that in your no no friendship is worth worth divorce. Amen. Um so clear responsibilities, um, find joy in the work. Okay, it's uh, I do, I have to I have to take my I, I have to take my head out of the, the sand sometimes and say, these are the days right here, these, these kids. And I have so many people remind me, take, uh, take joy in it because they're going to be growing up, you know. So take joy in it and, and, uh, spend time and, and enjoy the time. I got this, <laughs> I got to share this. I have this coffee mug. It's at the farm. And it was when I first had Josh and Josh was a rambunctious kid. Oh, and, and he could never sit still. He was running around by six months and and uh, eight months. Sorry, eight months details. <laughs> but but it, there's this mug and there's all these pictures of me smiling. And every single picture I was with him, I remembered every single situation, and I was so stressed out because <laughs> I couldn't. And, and and the Lord, I was just looking at all these. I was like, oh man, I remember. But it was kind of a reality check, and, and the Lord was saying, you need to just ease up. You need to relax. He's a little boy. You know, you can't control him 100%. And, and he says, you're, you, these are the days that you're going to remember as some of the best days of your life, and you need to enjoy them, not stress out about them. And so, uh, you know, if you're a young father, just in, enjoy. They're not going to hurt themselves. Not Not that bad, okay? <laughs> And it's okay if they break dishes, and it's okay if they come in with a permanent marker on your car seats. It's okay if they do those things. 
It's okay. That, that stuff will fade. We don't have that car anymore. Okay. <laughs> Bowen, it's okay if they do that. <laughs> I can feel it. No. Anyway. So, so clear communication, clear responsibilities. And, and uh, the last one we're going to do here is companionship. Um, uh, I, I think she's already touched on that in the sense that you got to stay tender towards each other. Okay. You got to, you have to have that continual sense of forgiveness. You have to have God's perspective on them. Okay. And don't let the fact that you've been married for five, ten, twenty years, uh, cause you to lose faith in what God can do to them. What God can still change in them. Okay. And, and continue to hold out mercy and grace and forgiveness. Some of the most, I'll just share this, some of the most powerful times of transformation that you can experience. I'm just speaking on my behalf is when she, with love and grace, doesn't hold things against me when I'm completely nuts. <laughs> Everybody hear me? When I am just so wrong and I am acting nuts and she just goes on like everything's okay and she doesn't hold it against me and she doesn't say, you know... You know, you know, yesterday, right? You remember that? I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take today off because you're just craziest. She's never done that. Okay, she doesn't hold those things over my head, and that is a tremendous wit to, witness to me of the character of Christ, and that holds me accountable. And and what you're called to do is be a mirror for the other person of of Christ's character, right? So, she, and, and that's very powerful that she she'll just be Christ. And she'll walk in love with me when I am really wrong, and it just it'll it'll change you. And it it should, all right. It ought to have an impact on you. So, companionship. Do you want to go ahead and, and kick over yeah, to that? Yeah, I, I can just okay. say I think somebody helped me understand uh, by giving me a picture about your marriage, and because you're friends, you know, and there's a reason you got married. You enjoy hanging mm-hmm. out, um, and I think. A lot of marriages end up, um, when you especially have kids in the middle, you end up having two separate lives and a lot of things. And you lose touch very often of just one-on-one hanging out, doing mundane things together and enjoying each other's company. And um, somebody was talking about how like a big tapestry and it's it's usually made up of very tiny little threads that make that tapestry so big and strong and beautiful. But... And he was kind of likening everyday decisions to just choose to be with each other as those little little strings that hold that together. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, you choose from the get-go to stay with each other, but I think every day you can still choose yeah. to be together. So little things that maybe don't even seem that important, like don't watch two separate TV shows. I know that's a silly example, <laughs> but like... Choose something I want to watch together, yeah. even if it's stupid Star Trek. <laughs> no, hey. I actually enjoy it. It's okay. Um, I haven't been on some of them, but um, but like we'll try to give and take with those things, and then just enjoy what the other person enjoys. Yeah. I really like Pride and Prejudice now. It's he a great, does. It's a great he show. does. <laughs> and Anna Green Gables. Anna Green Gables. They're um, great. Yeah. <laughs> You haven't really backed down the musicals, though. No, so. the musicals I can't uh, get behind. But, um, so, but yeah, there's just things that you can choose to do together and, and try not to choose so many separate 
life decisions mm-hmm. to where, at, you know, 20 years down the road, you're like, I don't even enjoy hanging yeah. out with you anymore, you know, because <laughs> it's, it's, it happens. You can, you can it grow, happens. you can grow apart. Mm-hmm. And if you're not intentional about it, you, you will grow apart. And, and, uh, uh, kids, kids, you're just busyness of life. And one person has different hobbies. And so, yeah. uh, purpose to, you know, hobbies are, they're trivial things, but you guys are forever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hobbies really aren't that important. It, it's, it's doing it with somebody that you love. That's important. What, whatever it is. So find things that you guys can do together. And by say together, together. <laughs> like find something, you know, she doesn't have to like fishing, but she goes fishing with me. Okay? I love reading. So she, it yeah. works perfect. <laughs> and, and so stay flexible. It's really about, I, it's no fun sitting there watching a movie by yourself. I don't get anything out of that. I have to have her with me <laughs> to watch, you know, it's, I suppose, but, but you, you know what I mean? When the house is empty, it's just boring. And you have to continue to have that companionship there. And I think it's important to highlight this. I know, I know we have some younger ears here, but, but guys, I know there's, there's different, let's just, let's just be, there, there's difference between guys and girls in terms of relationship. Okay. Uh, girls, they're wanting the relational, in general, in general, in general, the, the companionship side is stronger. And in guys, the physical relationship is stronger. Everybody catching my drift here? Okay. You have to understand that those are, those are connected. And those feed one to the other. If one of them is breaking down, the other one will break down. So this is my advice to guys. Look, be intentional. <laughs> be intentional about spending time with your wife. Because if she doesn't feel close to you, that is going to eventually impact marital relations. Okay. And that is, I'm just telling guys, that's not healthy. That's not healthy. You can't, you can't do that to your marriage. Okay. Those things have to continue to be in cycle or there's going to be issues. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's one of the things that Paul commands. He says, unless you're praying or fasting, don't defraud one or the other. And so in order to not have that happen in your, in your marriage, you need to continue to stay close. Everybody with me? Stay close. Mm-hmm. So when you're staying close, you're finding ways to spend time together. You're finding ways to uh, do things with the kids together. And and uh, uh, just recently, you know, like I, um, she was, she kind of helped me. She said, look, she gave me a little correction. She gave me a little swat on the back of the head and said, hey, you enjoy going fishing, but you don't always take the boys fishing. Okay. Uh, and so a lot of times when you're wanting to do something, you're wanting to just do it by yourself, but we need to do things together as a family. And, and it was like, I was blind to it. I wasn't even thinking about it. But ever since she has said that I have purpose to be proactive about, let's go camping. Let's go to the park. Let's go fishing. Okay. The boys love fishing now. And and so, uh, one, be open to hearing, be humble to, uh, to receive correction because that's how companionship stays close. I, do I do okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important that, you know, girls, I have done my best not to be a nag. And, um, and it's important to me that he doesn't feel like it's just a one, like a, a continual dripping. Yeah, no, it's Proverbs says. Yeah. <laughs> a contentious woman. 
it's better to live in a corner of a rooftop. And I, I remember taking that to heart as a young person. I'm like, I don't want him to feel like he can't come home without me being like, eh, eh, eh. And so what I have done is I'll try to say something that's on my heart that's important and just let it go and give the man space and grace to figure it out. And... um. And it's it's a hard thing to let it go, really, without being kind of like, is he watching? Is he is he doing it? Is he doing it? But I think the Lord has helped me find balance in my life because guys, when a girl's coming to you and talking about issues they have, it's to better your relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not because she doesn't like you and can't stand you, and I can't. You know, I always the, used to take it personally. Yeah, it's like the, the goal <laughs> is we want this to be better, don't we? Mm-hmm. So can you receive this? Mm-hmm. You know, and the same to me too, because honestly, if his he was talking about acting up, and I'm like chill and all that, he is the better one at coming after me after I've been upset about something, and I'm just like I was the queen of cold shoulders. You know, I could <laughs> I can do this all day. You know, I can do this for days if you want to do this. Yeah. I'm serious, and and he, I would always put him in the position to like, okay, what's wrong, Natalie? What's wrong, Natalie? What did I do? What did I do? You know, I'd always make him be the one to come, and I'm like, yes, yes, you did do something, you know, <laughs> and and so that's um, I'm a lot better at that now, um, but uh, where was I going with that? Where was I going? Oh, uh, you're uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so when somebody's coming to you, yes, with an issue, it's to better the relationship. Yeah. So you have to have that in mind. If it's coming to me and telling me something I did wrong, mm-hmm. I you tend to just want to take it and be like, yeah, you know, and be upset and frustrated and defend yourself and turn it back on them. But try to, for both of you to keep in mind, this is to make the relationship better moving forward. And that's like the mind you have to have at the end of the argument. Yeah. How is this going to help us move forward? And um, it helps a lot. Yeah. So uh, communicate, clear responsibilities, and and stay close. Companionship. And uh, I think I think as long as you stay humble, stay teachable, and and, and don't get so worked up about things. And here here's the to to we this is the end. Okay. Um. You have something the world does not have, okay? You have Christ on the inside of you. And, and the fruit of the Spirit are there 24-7, ready to be given expression. Love, joy, peace, patience, okay? I, if you feel like you're chronically angry, I'm telling you right now, you need a reality check and you need faith to grab hold of who Christ is on the inside of you. Because that can change today. Everybody with me? That can change today. If you're constantly in strife and you're always bickering and you're always coming at things with an angle and you always have an agenda, that's not Jesus. That can change today. And the first step in, in having it change is believing it can change. And it's not this kind of humanistic hope like we're going to change because we can no it's because you've been born again and christ resides on the inside of you and if you're saved by grace then you walk in the fruit of the spirit by grace it's him empowering those things 
So you have to have faith that those things can change. And you have to have hope that those things can change. Amen? And, and that is the kind of hope that you carry in. If, if, he's give, if you're acting nuts, I, I don't have to act nuts. I don't give myself that excuse. Don't give yourself that excuse. Don't say, well, you know me. No, I know Jesus in you. Amen? So if there are issues... And there, there are, but know that Christ is, and always have that hope fervent. Amen. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's change possible all the time. Your salvation is today. Amen. That's probably one of the biggest reasons in my brain, divorce has never been even an option or a fear. Mm-hmm. Because I know we both are surrendered to the Lord. Yeah. And we both are passionate about letting Him form us. And if that is what's happening, then we're always going to be okay. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I, I know I wanted to give an op- opportunity here for anybody that would like to share any questions or comments. We're at 825. We're doing really good. She's going to check on Emma. So you're going to ask me. <laughs> but um, anybody got anything that they would like to share or anything that they want to talk about? No pressure? Yeah, Bowen. Eventually, you'll find out what the issue is one way or the other. <laughs> and, and I remember um, a really good book about uh, waiting, um, like weighing, weighing responsibilities against each other is um, His Needs, Her Needs. Some of you may have heard of it, but if you need a really good book about um, marriage relationships and doing and, and kind of creating clear, concise responsibility lists, his needs, her needs. Look up the book. I can give you the details later. But that's a great book. Me and Natalie went through that when we first got married. So, anybody else got anything they'd like to add, contribute? Yeah, I've I've met guys that are just like, you know what? I'm gonna go fishing, and you can just deal with it. <laughs> I'm gonna go boating, and I'm you just gonna deal with it, and and uh, they'll deal with it. They'll find a way, you know. <laughs> That's not that's not good marriage, amen. And that that leadership, you know, people don't like that leadership role sometimes because of the abuse. But the abuse isn't what we're mirroring. We're mirroring Christ, right? We're mirroring the right use of leadership, amen. How about you, mom? You got anything you'd like to add? Yeah. I'll just brag on mom. Mom was a super, super woman when I was in high school. I remember she was, she was handling the church. She was running, she was running papers for the TR, not, not a, not a mail carrier, but she would deliver the papers to the mail carrier. She, she would get up at two o'clock every weekend morning before church, you know, and then she would come and do church. She would do worship. She would do kids church. We had grandma at home that we cared for for years, and she was making food for us kids, and she was just a tremendous mother. Very, one of the, one of the most selfless people I know. Really selfless. And that is, that is being Christ to your family. Amen.